137th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Well, hey there, everybody, and welcome back to Pixelated Paranormal, the long-lost episode 58. <laughs> 58 take two, actually. Yeah, we had some technical difficulties, so Man, did this we. one comes out better. <laughs> yeah, as mentioned on our last episode, we uh, had to postpone episode 58 just because there were... Uh, Audio technical difficulties. Well, no, what did I say? At, we were going to edit it out because the Chuck Zikowski stuff was a little bit uh, subpar. Yeah, we just couldn't do it any justice, and uh, it's better just to go onto his website than it is try to tell a story about a crazy UFO guy. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, www.ufonut.com. Again, uh, we'll mention that. Jump on there and check it out when you've got some time. It's neat stuff, but we can't do them justice. And then, uh, yeah, so we had that uh, that audio mess up as well. When I went back to edit the show, um, your your audio was blown out. Yeah, for some uh, unknown child related, <laughs> some some curious child's. Somebody to... was fucking with my microphone. <laughs> yeah. I was going to be nicer and say they were aspiring to be a podcaster, but. Yeah. <laughs> I think they were pretending to sing and, you know, and be like music stars or some shit like that. Yeah. Who knows, man? Oh, well. So, yeah, here we are again, and we're just going to give you guys episode 58, the Spark Note edition, and we're just going to hit the uh, the high points. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, I'm still packing for a trip that we're leaving for a day early. Uh, for some uh, some family emergencies we have to tend to, so we're going to get on the road a day early, but we don't want to leave everybody hanging, so we're going to hit the high notes and uh, give you something to listen to. I'm pretty sure most of mine are going to be low notes, but uh, you hit them with the high notes, I'll smack them with the low notes. And, we'll... <laughs> <laughs> and we shall meet in the middle. Yeah. Nice. All right, man. Well, um, I say go ahead and get it. St- oh, and by the way, Stephen, Stephen had to take a step out of the back seat uh, today as well because this is such a last-minute uh, reprimand for this episode. Um, he wasn't able to make it on, so... Yes, we were driving by a state Stephen hadn't took a shit in yet, so we had to kick him out so he could <laughs> check one off the list. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, we, uh, we're we we're in a two-seater convertible right now, that's why, but <laughs> he's probably shitting. Yeah. Cool. All right, man. Well, uh, <laughs> get it get started for me, man. Tell me about this. Uh, so this comes from Coast to Coast AM um, on uh, the uh, news app, and it's Bigfoot Photobombs Man on ATV. And uh, basically, in an undisclosed location, a young Michigan man finds himself doing donuts on his four-wheeler <laughs> and inadvertently captures a Bigfoot lurking in the background. <laughs> so this is like one of those stories that's really easy to cover because they give you little to no details. So somewhere out in the woods somewhere, a young man trying to show off his amazing or not-so-amazing four-wheeling abilities to his friends um, captures a Bigfoot in the background. It, uh, you're, you see, like, some bushes, some shrubbery in front of uh, the forest, the edge of the forest there, uh-huh. and you see what appears to be a very tall black blob uh, 
appear in front of the camera, stops and looks at the, you know, toward the camera for a second and then disappears back into the forest. And now the young man at first didn't realize that he captured this wonderful oddity. He got back home and was reviewing his footage and was like, holy shit, I captured a Bigfoot. So he reached out to a YouTube channel that specializes in Bigfoots and strange creatures, and uh, they posted it for him and included a brief message that uh, you know the, the, the young man was surprised to have captured it, and they say that uh, you know it's really great footage of a, a Bigfoot, one of the best they've seen. However, um, all those naysayers out there say that uh, the footage is merely a clever hoax because Mr. Bigfoot's very nonchalant about this young hooligan doing donuts in front of him on a four-wheeler. Like He just kind of looks at it and is like, meh, and goes back into the woods. And when I was looking at the close-up on the video, so part two of the video, they do a slow-mo close-up, it looks like Bigfoot's rocking a cape. So it's like a really, Bigfoot. Yeah, it's like a tall fucking dude with the black cape, and uh, they're trying to pass it off as Bigfoot. But uh, I sent old Sean the link, and we're going to post it for the show notes so you guys can go in and look at the YouTube video and, you know, make your own. But burp, burp. <laughs> or is it super Bigfoot? You know, yeah. there, uh, Isaac, our, our listener buddy Isaac, sent in a story that there was a Bigfoot sighting near Kansas City as well, up in Missouri, uh, recently. Yeah, it was, oh gosh, it's been a couple weeks back. Um, I lost, man, I lost the actual uh, article he tagged us in because, uh, you know, the whole shenanigans that happened in this episode. But yeah, recently there was a, um, <laughs> a sighting of Bigfoot up near the Kansas City area. So that's kind of exciting could too. I don't know if it was super Bigfoot. It could have been Clark Kent Bigfoot. Hell yeah, man. Well, let's let's stay in the forest and tell me what else is going on. Well, let me let this load real quick. Iowa man says his dog shot him while they were playing. With best friends like these, who needs enemies? An Iowa man says his dog inadvertently shot him while they were roughhousing Wednesday. 51-year-old Richard Ream of Fort Dodge told police he was playing with his dog, Barlu, on the couch and tossed the dog off his lap. When the Pitbull Labrador mix bounced back up, he must have disabled the safety on the gun in his belly band and stepped on the trigger. The gun fired, striking Ream's leg. He was treated at the hospital and released later that day. Reem told the Messenger newspaper that Barlu is a big old wuss and laid down beside him and cried because he thought he had done something wrong. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> and that's what we call the slim pickings for the weird news, friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't you worry, buddy, because I've got plenty of news to follow up with, and I'm going to link all these the best I can. Ooh. Because, unfortunately, the dog that shot the owner with the gun, hopefully he learned from what he did. We hope. But if he, <laughs> if he didn't, and you decide that you and Fido have to part ways, then you yourself could get a brand new dog, a brand new cyber canine companion called the Aibo. Ooh. Aibo is this Japanese um, toy AI dog. And this little dude, they're adorable, number one. They're kind of like a, uh, oh, what do you call the the little uh, iRobot vacuums? 
Yeah. They, these things, they basically learn from their environment and they develop relationships with people. Um, the identity takes on different layers and this little guy kind of learns like a real dog. So they're AI dog companions. And these little things are adorable. And just like any old, you know, best friend of man, they sometimes will blow out a battery or get worn out and they just have to be retired. And anybody who has had a pet, cat, dog, goldfish, whatever, it's difficult around those last days to admit that you're about to lose your best friend, robot or not. Poor robot Rex. It's so sad when you lose your best fuzzy friend that 114 Sony AIBO robotic dog owners have sent them off to a Buddhist temple for a ceremony to be sent back to the afterworld. Oh, yeah. The Japan Times reports, in some respects, it was like a funeral for any other in Japan. With incense, smoking and wafting, and a priest chanting a sutra, praying for peaceful transitions for the souls of the dearly departed. The newspaper exclaims, Sony stopped manufacturing the AIBO, which stands for Artificial Intelligent Robot, back in 2006, and since then, the electronic repair company A-Funco has been keeping them alive. Some 150,000 AIBOs were sold in the seven years they were made, making the oldest of them nearly 20 years old now. That's 140 in robot dog years. With the AI, with the AIBO no longer in production, owners of old or dead robo dogs often send them to the company. The only way it can obtain genuine parts is to use repairs, or I'm sorry, to use in repairs. In effect, these AI bows become organ donors or martyrs for the greater good. So basically, when your robot dog uh, is no longer in service, you can send it off to this doggy temple, and they just harvest the parts for spare parts. No, oh, yeah, and fix another and all doggy the, up. Right. <laughs> and all the company has sent off about eight hundred AI bows in this way, all from Kofukuji. Kofukuji? Kofukuji? Man, brutal. Kofukuji! Chibi Perfector near Tokyo. We'd like to return the souls of the owners. Well, that's, no, hang on, that was almost murder. We'd like to return (laughs) the souls to the owners and make the robot a machine to utilize their parts. We don't take parts before we hold the funeral, only after. Yeah, you know what? I think I'll just send the remains of Luis to the Koreans so they can just make like a, you know, really expensive clone and I'll just skip out on the robot dog phase. <laughs> skip out on the robot stuff. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that makes sense, man. Do You do you, boo-boo. Yeah. You do you. But that's not all I have for robot news. And what would an episode of Pixelated Paranormal be if we didn't make something about a robot be uber sexy? <laughs> Have you watched the new Lost in Space remake uh, I have, on Netflix? I have not. I've been teetering on should I or shouldn't I. Um, I remember growing up as a kid, the Lost in Space movie uh-huh. with uh, Gary Oldman as the villain uh, I, I thought was phenomenal. And then I watched it a couple months ago and I was like, uh-huh. this the fuck was I thinking? And uh, some uh, online internet reviews that didn't give away any spoilers just said Netflix was, you know, stretching on this one. So I'm just like, do I give it a shot or do I not? Man, 
I've heard pretty good reviews about it. Yeah. I, I haven't heard anybody say it's amazing, but I've heard a lot of people and watched a lot of reviews on Twitter, and people are saying it's pretty good. So I'm going to give it a shot. But apparently there's lots of people popping little chubs, little, little boners for the robot. A.K.A. Rob Wood. <laughs> Netflix forced to reckon with the unintentionally sexy robot they created. The folks over at Netflix were hoping Lost in Space would be a hit, but they were not prepared at all for the viewers to be attracted to the show's robot. <laughs> I'll read some of these tweets. What the fuck? Sorry I just came out from under a rock, and the robot from Lost in Space makes... <laughs> remake is very hot, question mark? <laughs> Another mm. chick says... Her her at handle is tentacle bow tie. I just called the Lost in Space robot sexy, and my poor dad gave me such a sad, disappointed look. Oh gosh! Oh, wait, so people, I just found Rob's uh, tweet on that. Uh, he says, uh, "Guys, that's a robot I'd fuck." <laughs> Apparently, it's more of a humanoid robot than kind of like the giant bell with you know floppy arms from the original series. Um. He walks upright, and apparently he's got a tight little ass on him. <laughs> so Tight little and, robot asshole. Yeah. Somebody else says, there's no literal, no reason the lost in space robot should have a butt that nice. This was <laughs> intentional. <laughs> 2015 Twitter, LOL, Joe Jonas is so hot. 2018 Twitter, I want to fuck the robot from Lost in Space and also <laughs> Doctor Strange's cape. <laughs> Ooh. Mm. Oh, that's awesome, man. So, yeah, everybody's saying that he's got a really nice backside. Oh, man. What can you do? Yeah. <laughs> mm. Well, next up in Twitter news, this is a really fun little saga we're going to follow here. It starts off with a title saying, Proof that you should never leave mysterious organic materials in your car. A.K.A. Thanks to the Cursed Root. Do you guys want to hear a story? Yeah. Two weeks ago, mysterious... <laughs> oh, sorry, I was just reading the tweet. <laughs> uh, two weeks ago, a mysterious cursed root appeared on my front doorstep. It was the length of my forearm and shaped like a fucked up turkey leg. And it looks just like that. It looks like a powdered donut turkey leg with tiny little tentacles or roots sticking out the bottom. Mmm. Yummy. Kepley or Kepley Q at Kepley Q says, It took me about eight seconds to become completely obsessed with it. I mean, what the fuck is it? Animal? Vegetable? Mineral? Alien womb? And what's with all those sticks? (laughs) Is it a curse? A blessing? I mean, duh. I knew it was a curse. I picked it up. I shook it. I banged it against the step a bit. Nothing jiggled loose, nothing hissed, but it was oddly squishy. And it may have been warm somehow? I asked my neighbors. Nobody knew. I sent a friend a picture, but nothing. So I put it in a gallon freezer bag and took it to work. I asked my bosses, my coworkers, my patients. Nobody had any idea what it was. By the end of the day, though, we noticed the bag was sweating. The turkey leg was emitting heat and moisture. That night I left work, I threw it in the back of my car, a hatchback, and I forgot about it. Fast forward about a week, I was driving my kids to the library. My son was in the back seat, and he told me there was a worm back there, question mark? 
And I was like, of course there's no goddamn worm back there. It's probably just food you spilled, i.e., this is your fault anyway. Just let me drive to the library. But then my daughter turned around to check the back seat, and that is when the screaming started. The cursed turkey leg fucking hatched. And from it, and from its fucked up spongy depths emerged just hundreds of horrible, tiny, fucked up worms. Everywhere, squeezing in the back seat from my trunk, they had chewed through their bag. <laughs> we made it to the library, shrieking and nauseated. We leapt out of the car, leaving all the doors open. I snatched the turkey leg and threw it as hard and as far as I could away from us. Huh. <laughs> and this guy steps in and says, dot, 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 landing on some poor stranger's doorstep, starting oh, the cycle again, again. question mark. <laughs> we called my husband and the three of us hollering into the speaker phone that we could never go back into the car and had no idea what to do. And that it was his job to save us from the worms. Eh, just burn it. Yeah. Burn the whole fucking car. So I, I, I have a uh, kind of a, a story that relates to this. And okay. I, don't, I don't know if I've ever, um, I don't know if I ever have, you know, pulled it over the show. But uh, if you want to read a really great book, uh, Frank Zappa's autobiography, do yourself a favor and, uh-huh. and go pick that that up. There's a menagerie of stories in there, but I'll, I'll tell you one out of there that relates to this in a way. Hmm. And then I'll finish this story, I guess. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Did I, I didn't No, Just do your thing. You always do. Okay. So, uh, one Michigan winter, uh, back in the, uh, late sixties, early seventies, uh, Frank Zappa and his band, uh, were playing some gigs around, uh, their drummers, like hometown area. Uh-huh. And uh, they needed a place to crash, and so the drummer's mom had like this detached garage away from the house, and uh, there she was like, you know, if you guys want to stay there, I guess you can. And so, in the middle of winter, there's not much to do after shows other than drink and play poker, and that's what they did. And uh, it was so cold out that uh, they didn't want to go pee outside. And uh, old mom had a menagerie of mason jars, and so they would just, uh, you know, fill up the mason jars, and it kind of became like this weird, I don't know, like almost like sick collection of like how many like, you know, mason jars can we fill with piss? Uh Uh-huh. And so, you know, winter goes by, and they just have like hundreds of piss jars um, in this poor woman's, you know, garage. And uh, they were like, well, what the fuck are we going to do with these now? Like, I don't want to touch those. And dear old mom had a giant black cast iron uh, cauldron um, in there. Yeah. And so they decided to dump all the mason jars in the cauldron, cover the cauldron, and leave the uh, scene of the crime. And oh, uh, years later, because uh, she's kind of an old lady, so she never made it out uh, to the garage anyways. And uh-huh. uh, years later, they were coming back through, and uh, Zappa was like, uh, "Dude, do you think your mom still has that cauldron full of piss?" Oh, he's like, "I don't know. Let, let's uh, let's go check out." And sure as shit, it was you know still in the corner, still covered up. So they bravely uncovered the cauldron and they peered down inside. And what was in there other than stale piss was Freddy Krueger's decapitated hand. No, mutated clear. Je- uh, like 
tadpoles, like this weird mutated frog species that was like growing in this piss. And they were what? so freaked out, they dumped it down the sewer drain. And somewhere, folks in the you know Wisconsin uh, uh, sewers are uh, the crystal clear, uh, you know, tadpole fish things. Piss frogs. Yeah. That's weird. Now, how long was the pee? How long did the, had the cauldron been left alone? Like three or four years. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting, man. Yeah. Wow. I'm not sure if I'm more impressed by the fact that you were able to use the word menagerie twice. <laughs> <laughs> or if Frank Zappa unknowingly released a uh, new species of piss frogs. Yeah. That's crazy, man. I bet that dude has all sorts of crazy ass stories. He does. He does. Um, not to be that guy, but I'm going to add to your pee story. <laughs> um, not nearly as cool. There's no mutated amphibians or anything, but, um, damn it. Back in high school, I had an un, uh, what would you call it? An undocumented agreement with our drama teacher. And basically any class I would take with this teacher, I got an automatic like 94% or some just strange, you know, just above an A minus grade. If I would agree to every semester do lights and set building with him for all his productions. And then I would, that would, that would buy me my grade for the year. Fair enough. And so there was one year we did, uh, we did a production of stomp, I think. And we were up there doing lights and my friend Matt was helping us with lights, but also in the production. So he would periodically like run up the, uh, you know, climb up the catwalk from behind stage, run across the catwalk, drop down on the light booth, which we all pretended was a giant, uh, you, you boat, <laughs> German U boat. That's another story. But this one time during like the opening night, he's like, I have got to take a piss. And I'm like, well, dude, like you can't, like Pete said, as soon as, the lights go down, you know, you can't open those doors. We can't leave. We have to go up across the catwalk. He's like, I'm about to spring a leak. So I'm like, oh, hey, I've got an empty Gatorade bottle here. So like we uncork the Gatorade bottle and he pisses in this thing and almost fills up like all 20 ounces of it with pee. And he's done. So he like tightens the lid across it. He's like, oh, now what? And as a joke, I was like, oh, we'll just wrap it in this um, masking, like this scotch tape or masking tape, whatever the yellow tape is. And then he wrapped it up like a mummy and I drew a giant skull and crossbones and says, do not open. And we stuck it in like a storage locker in the light booth and forgot about it. And then like that was freshman year for me, senior year. He's like, guys, someone needs to go up there and clean out the light booth. Like it's just got so much trash and garbage and posters. I want it all. I want it purged and I want it to be brand new for, you know, after you guys graduate for the next freshman to come in. So we go in there and somebody grabs the locker and they opened it up and they're like, what's this bottle? And they're like, it's got a skull and crossbones. It says, do not open. And I just, I froze. I was like, Oh my God, that's like a four year old bottle of urine. <laughs> and uh, Matt was pretty much a staple, like a pretty decent legend around the high school. And I'm like, that is Matt's bottle of piss from the production of stomp. And so I thought, Hmm, I wonder what's going to happen. Like, I wonder what it looks like. So the whole thing's taped up except for the bottom. So I shine a flashlight. Uh, I turn it upside down. I shine a flashlight. And it's like the color of caramel, just like solidified. It's really Ooh. gross. Kind of interesting, really, when you talk about science. Yeah. But um, and then as we <laughs> as we were looking at it, I shook the bottle just a little bit. And the solids fell down. And like four or five different shades of like orange and yellow started swirling together. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. So I, I dropped it in the trash can and forgot about it. And then we just ended up throwing it away, you know, the next day or whatever. But. I, just, I can't believe like nobody opened up that locker in almost four years. 
and so, found a bottle of urine. Somewhere in the Butler County landfill, there is a do not open <laughs> skull right. crossbone piss bottle with the multicolored yeah. pee in it. No, um, it's funny because the epilogue to that tale is the word got back to Pete that there was a bottle of Matt's urine. And he was like so disgusted by it, he demanded us to bring it to him. So I actually dug it out of like the big trash can behind the stage and brought it to him as a, I, I didn't think he was serious. And so he was challenging me and he didn't think I was serious. I was going to bring it back to him. So I brought it back to him and set it down on his desk. And he's like, oh shit, I didn't think you were serious. He's like, that's fucking disgusting. And then as a joke, basically like to finish the deal, he put it on the shelf behind his desk on the wall for like a week. And every time someone's like, uh, Pete, what's that? He's like, if you don't know, you'll never know. <laughs> and finally, he, finally, he's like, I got to throw this thing away. I'm scared one day the plastic's going to split and like this <laughs> silly putty urine's going to go everywhere. So <laughs> pretty nasty, but pretty fun tale. So, well, back to the creepy worm roots. Their dad did come to save them. He came to take my car to vacuum it out and we drove his car home. He came home an hour later, all the worms safely <laughs> safely locked inside the industrial vacuum that Mike's car wash owns. So now on the warmer days, before I can get in my car, I have to inspect the entire back seat. They haven't come up in the front yet, question mark. I inspect the trunk for tiny worms, which I then squish the worm with a squishing rock I now keep in my car. <laughs> she keeps a squishing <laughs> rock in her car. Uh, uh, today, I have only had to squish three worms. It's fine everything's fine and then she sends an update out and uh, it says update i found a single solitary dead worm thing in the backseat of my car and i am going to post a picture and it looks kind of like almost like a botfly larva or almost like a legless fuzzy caterpillar yeah yeah, and then somebody says here, um, what area are you in? The closest guess I have so far, it could be a rotted ponytail palm tree. They are common in tropical houseplants and sort of match up to that shape. Not sure about the texture because Google couldn't show many things. Or it's an alien loofah. I live in Indiana, she says. I was thinking it was a mushroom, but I don't know. And then people go on to talk about, you know, you could probably take it downtown and have it investigated and then people go on, blah, 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 blah. So it really kind of ends there. She found one dead uh, worm, and that was kind of the uh, the end of the tale of creepiness. So, But yeah, I don't know. That's why you never, like, you, th- you just throw shit away. If it's outside, you don't take it home. You don't take it inside. You don't throw it in the backseat of your car. Yeah, especially if it looks like a weird mutated turkey leg. Just get rid of it. Yeah, that's, that's wicked creepy. So, But that's not the only thing you can do with something creepy or interesting you discover and not all mutations are a bad thing preston because sometimes sometimes science scores a win every now and then yay science because in japan they have developed a plastic eating enzyme and that could be our planet's new hope for a brand new breed of recycling one of the amazing things about our universe preston is that nothing really goes to waste for instance, you, the incredible masterwork that you are, happen to be composed of the trash that exploded out of a supernova. Or your dad. <laughs> <laughs> In every nook and cranny of the cosmos, the universe is recognizing and reusing. It is the great recycler. 
So in Japan, back in 2006, a Japanese research team discovered a bacteria inside of some of the inroads. No, that doesn't make any sense. They discovered a bacteria in a landfill, basically. And this landfill bacteria had evolved. And the enzymes it was creating was helping it digest and break down plastic bottles, like drinking bottles, drinking plastic. And so they, you know, grabbed it, cultivated it, started studying it. And then as all good scientists do, they started fucking with it. And they were able to make a PET busting enzyme that they were able to basically enhance um, from the one that was produced by the bacteria. Now, PETZ, I believe it means, damn it, polyethylene terephthalate. Huh. I never said I went to school. Yeah. You give me a hard time about the way I pronounce things, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, touche. yeah basically they found this bacteria it makes this enzyme and the enzyme breaks down the plastic bottles in the landfill so they captured it cultivated it and kind of did a little bit of tweaking and enhancing and they made their own actual enzyme and they say we hope to determine its structure and aid in protein engineering but we ended up going a step further and accidentally engineered an enzyme with improved performance over the original bacterium at breaking down plastics. What we've learned is that PET is not yet fully optimized to degrade. PET, hang on. Okay, what we've learned is that PETase is not fully optimized to degrade PET. And now we've shown this. It's time to apply the tools of protein engineering and evolution to continue to improve it. The goal of the research is to find a way to create an enzyme fast enough to break down huge amounts of PET plastics, a.k.a. drinking bottles, into its most basic components. One possible solution is to plant this mutant enzyme into bacteria that can withstand insanely high temperatures, which might break down the plastic, you know, into 10 to 100 times quicker than before. So that's really fucking cool. They they can apply this enzyme and pretty much break the, the plastic bottles down into their original, you know, building blocks. And then another article I read about it later said they could then use this to be almost like a um, a green version of recycling. You wouldn't have to burn anything. You wouldn't have to create like, you know, you wouldn't have to heat it back up and melt it back down. It would just be broken back down to the basic building blocks. Uh, you know, they were they were talking about uh, a couple of years ago uh, – with like building uh, colonies on the moons or colony colonies on the Mars, like one way to to do it. Uh, Did you call it the Mars? No, I said on the moon or Mars. Yeah, I think you said on the moon or on the Mars. Yeah, well, <laughs> ahead, whatever. Though. Anyways, oh. uh, they were going to use these uh, 3D printers that would build uh, or 3D print like giant blocks, like Lego blocks, and you could essentially uh-huh. snap these colonies together fairly quickly and efficiently. And, uh, you know, we talk about how we have all this waste here on Earth and, uh, you know, plastic bottles still floating around in the ocean. Like, this could be a really efficient way to recycle that plastic and use it for something good. Yeah, exactly. That That's pretty fucking great. Boom. <sighs> science. Boom. Science, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's not the only cool thing we can do with plastic, though, Preston, because there are these two dudes in Wales 
who are making 3D printed prosthetics and donating them free to children who are amputees. Have you heard about this? I have not. It's pretty fucking neat. So they've got a shed in their backyard in a little town called Swansea in Wales. A couple dudes named Stephen Davies and Drew Murray. Now, one guy, Davies, was an engineer and a father, but he was born without a hand. And he became pretty disappointed with kind of the shoddy prosthetics that he was given as a kid and also as an adult. And as in search, in search of better hands, he found his partner, his buddy here. And so he happened to be, Mr. Murray I'm talking about, Drew Murray, was an engineer. So together they designed these really badass 3D printed prosthetics for kids. And these things, the kids can custom order the colors, the paint jobs, everything else. And then they make these 3D printed hands in the garage, or their shed rather, and boom, they call themselves Team Unlimited. Ah, see, they're limbs. <laughs> and they basically donate these prosthetics to kids. And you hook them up to your arms, and then if you extend your hand all the way out like a straight arm, the hand opens up. And if you bend the elbow, the hand tightens up. So you can grab things, pick things up, throw things. It's really fucking cool. They cost less than $26 to make them in materials and take only about 12 hours to actually make them. Oh, that's pretty neat. And they are like a bunch of uh, just big-hearted, badass dudes. They're giving these away free. They are free to the kids who they service. That's awesome. So not all heroes wear capes, guys. Yeah. And tip of the hat to you. You are fucking amazing. Yeah, some heroes work out of the back of their shed. So That's true. <laughs> But in closing, presto, some heroes wear suits instead of capes. Ooh. But in rare cases like Iron Man, sometimes their suits get stolen. Ooh. One of the original Iron Man suits from the original movie worth $325,000 was stolen in Las Vegas. What? Yep. It was stolen from a prop facility storage area, and the whereabouts are currently under investigation by the LAPD. So that's kind of one of those things, like, you have to wonder, like, why the fuck would you... You can't do anything with it. You can't sell it, because that's going to kind of give it away that you're the bastard that took it. <laughs> so you can't show it off to your friends, because then they're going to rat you the fuck out for, like, reward right. money. Like, what, what the fuck are you going to do with, like, just hide it in your basement and then go down there late at night like, I got you, Iron Man? Yep, you're exactly right. Um, it's it's the irony of, like, I know a guy, and I'm not going to out him. I know a guy who has – oh, shit, I shouldn't even say this. But, hey, you can't prove it. I know a guy <laughs> who has a table from one of Saddam Hussein's palaces that got raided after he was captured. Really? Uh-huh. And the thing is, he came by it – and didn't fill out paperwork to ship it home. So oh. currently, legend says, it is in his garage uh, with a bunch of tools sitting on top of it. And in a haste, a, I mean, a lot of shit gets sent home from the war like that. I mean, yeah. ever since World War One and before that. So it's a spoil of war, so to speak, but it could have been categorized so he can't prove what it really is. So ironically, it sits in the corner of a garage untouched and unable to be sold because no one can tell or prove what it is. It's just based on his word, so... Uh, he was really happy to get it home, and uh, there it sits. Yeah. So, I don't know. Irony at its finest. But 
yeah, this Iron Man suit is the original Iron Man suit from the first Iron Man from back in 2008. And it was stolen from the movie prop storage in, uh, what is that, Pacoima, L.A., Los Angeles? Yeah, we'll go with it. There you go. Sounds good to me. And it has disappeared sometime estimated between February and April the 25th. Oh. Yeah, but you're right. No one can do shit with it um, at all. So we're kind of just like, well, hmm, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully just bring it back. <laughs> put it in a box, put a bow on it, and a note says, I'm sorry. <laughs> it won't happen again. <laughs> no kidding, man. So, well, I think that's a, that's a good place to wrap it up, man. Yeah. Kind of kind of a little spark note, a little quickie for your week. Yeah. I'm uh, probably currently, hopefully not, suffering from second-degree sunburns somewhere in the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah. Are you, are you, uh, are you guys going to stop off at Jamaica? Ah, uh, we are, yes. We're going to hit up uh, Cozumel... Grand Cayman and Jamaica. Oh. Yeah. So I'm I'm packing about five different kinds of sunscreen because <laughs> I'm very pale. <laughs> very pale. And I bought myself what I'm calling the cruise, my cruise hat. And it's reminiscent of the uh, scientist from Jurassic Park. Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah the yeah, old yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not too shabby. Not too shabby. Thought about sticking a bunch of my uh, brewery pins on there for Wichita and represent some Wichita breweries, but I might not. You know, you, you should uh, rock uh, the uh, vacation like the old man from Jurassic Park and get the all-white <laughs> suits with the hat. I thought about it, dude. I found some really cool, comfortable, like, almost terry cloth pants and, like, dress shirts, but I'm like, no, I'm a little maybe too young to wear that on a cruise. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd rock that fucking cane with the uh, mosquito and the amber. Yeah. For yeah. sure. So, Well, guys, um, excuse some of the flubs. I didn't do an edit on this at all because uh, I leave in about mm, less than t- probably 18 hours from now, so I'm not doing an edit on this puppy. Yeah. I'm just going to slap it together, but it shouldn't be too shabby. Yeah, we ain't got time for that shit. Yeah, ain't nobody got time. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> not this time around. <laughs> so, yeah. But all right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Check us out next time. And remember, we will be doing a live show. I believe it is June 2nd, Saturday, as of right now. We will, we will let you know if that changed as yeah. of right now. Saturday, June 2nd at Wichicon during Riverfest. We will post that and advertise the heck out of it once the time gets decided. So if uh, you live yeah. in the Wichita area, join us. It'll be fun. Yeah, stop in, check it out. Look at the art, look at the cool horror stuff and pop culture memorabilia. Definitely yeah. check it out. And also check out our buddy, BigDobsBeardBomb.com, Pixelated Paranormal. If you're listening, we are giving you, he is gracious enough to be giving you, I should say, 20% off your entire order if you will use the promo code P-X-L-P-A-R-A. P as in paranormal, A as in alligator, that was completely wrong. <laughs> P is in paranormal. X is in X-ray. L is in Loch Ness monster. And then P A as in alligator. R as in what pirates say. And A as in more alligators. I am too tired to make that up. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, Presto, you got anything else? Uh, check out uh, Big Steve's podcast. O indeed. O h h h indeed. Uh, Sports Cars Unleashed, the one podcast that Sean never listens, you know, has never listened to, probably never will, but you can listen to it. I love it like it's uh, my own. You know, 
get all your NASCAR and race cars and fixing and shit. So shit, yeah. And check out our buddy Mark's solo cast, Pixelated Sausage. Pixelated Sausage. Yes, sir. E. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. All right, folks. Thank you so much, and we will catch you next time around. Peace. The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. You have two ways. One, email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, we have that set up too. Dial us at 707-523-4263. Again, that's 707-523-4263. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Presto, can you hear me? I can't. Are you there? Ah, there you are. Yes. Yeah. What's up? Oh, hell, I don't know. There was like this weird like noise, and then you just cut out, and I'm just like, uh, Sean? Seanifer? Huh. Well, that's strange. Yeah. I got to figure out where I was at on this fucking story. That's fine. I can actually edit the story and start it over. <laughs>